Before we get into the episode today, just a friendly reminder that Harbor Times is on Patreon, where you can access the podcast ad-free. You'll also get exclusive photos and content from our articles, including a chronological collection of footage from the pro-democracy protests of this and last year. We're a small independent publication that wants to show the world that Hong Kong is more than just a finance hub and that those parts of Hong Kong matter. If this resonates with you, then please support us, whether it's by giving us a like and sharing our content on social media or by becoming a patron Every bit counts. Reach out to us as well with your questions, comments, or concerns. We would love to hear from our audience. All right, let's get into it. Welcome back to another edition of Spyglass. I'm your host, Jasmine Lee, and I am excited to get into this episode with you. Today, we are talking about the U.S., more specifically, the Hong Kongers who are advocating for recognition in the U.S. Census. Write in Hong Konger is a new campaign that began earlier this year, encouraging those who identify as such to write down Hong Konger in the designated space when completing the U.S. Census, which is conducted once every 10 years. This initiative was founded by Frances Hui, a student at Emerson College in Boston. According to her website, she began her foray into the world of journalism during the Hong Kong Umbrella Revolution in 2014, where she shared the stories of many Hong Kongers during the Occupy protests, which grew popular and widely shared on social media. She is also the author of the article, I Am From Hong Kong, Not China, where she elaborates on the importance and validity of expressing her identity as a Hong Konger, despite the pushback she received while living and studying in the U.S. Francis shared with me more about the Write in Hong Konger campaign and how it all came about. I I was actually inspired by um, a Taiwanese campaign. They did uh, the Write in Taiwanese campaign, I think, a year ago. They started it a a year ago, and then they're still doing it um, for the U.S. um, 2020 census. And I found it out around last December. Um, but at that time I was like, oh yeah, um, it doesn't apply to Hong Kongers because we're not like really, you know, a, a, a nation or whatever. I was also thinking like maybe other Hong Konger organizations have already done that. Like I would, I would have imagined some of them have already worked on that for a while. But then, um, I think in February when I start to see more Taiwanese are promoting it, I was like, Wait, actually, is that something that I can do? So I started to, um, you know, look into the, you know, if there are any, uh, legal problems, um, behind it. Do I have to like prepare it, uh, ahead of time and stuff? And I talked to like people, like leaders of the Write in Taiwanese campaign and realized that it's actually something really easy. It's actually, it's all about identity, self-identification. So at that time I was like, it's, there's no way that I don't do it because no one is doing that. Um, and then, um, I also think like it's the best if I do, if I pick up this role, because I, you know, last year I wrote the article about my identity, identifying as Hong Kong or not Chinese. So I feel like maybe I should just jump in. So I did some research and feel like 
I, we can, you know, just <laughs> kickstart it. Um, and so I did the promotional videos and try to put people like, like-minded people, people who are interested to contribute to this campaign together and, you know, just carry out this campaign by, um, posting, publishing the video, the promotional video and along with a fundraising websites on GoFundMe. And then after that, I think about like, Three or four days, we already reached. Uh, we already reached a fundraising goal. It seemed like you guys really, really brought support and momentum to this to this campaign really, really quickly since you reached your goal within three to four days. But that being said, I, I am curious: Did you find that you faced any challenges when it first came to kind of finding people to work with or bringing momentum behind the movement when you started out? Um, definitely, I think. At first, we have we have heard of people telling us like, "Oh, Hong Konger is not a race. Um, how could you, you know, put Hong Kongers under the question regarding your race?" Um, but this is something I also want to clarify using this opportunity is that um, for us uh, in nowadays society, <laughs> race is actually a social constructed concept. Um, we oftentimes um, think of race related to skin color. But it shouldn't, your race shouldn't be determined by your skin color. And so, um, in 19, I think back in 1950, before that, um, the Census Bureau actually have numerators going to people's houses and count their heads and like fill in, fill out the form by themselves, uh, instead of having the household members to identify the, themselves. And so after, I think, Starting from 1950, they actually changed the whole policy and have numerators going to people's houses and collect their forms. So collect a, the, a form that is filled out by household members themselves so that they can uh, practice self-identification throughout the whole process. And so now, after so many years, the Census Bureau officially, you know, when you, if, if you go up to their website, they also you know, clarify the concepts of race as self-identification. So I think for Hong Kongers, it's, we're talking about like, you know, the heritage and our background. Um, and not to mention that Chinese is actually a very big term because, um, Southern Chinese and Northern Chinese also has different blood contacts. So I think it's really, you know, some people try to generalize us or try to put us into the Chinese concepts saying that, oh, you are also, you also have like Chinese blood and stuff. You can't just ignore that. I would really argue that because if you compare Hong Konger with a Chinese, I think a lot of us can see differences in it, but there are a lot of, you know, debates about it. So this is definitely one of the challenges we face is to really explain to people about this concepts because obviously to um, people in Hong Kong, it's also something really new. Like when we talk about race, it's, you know, automatically equal, equals to one's skin color. So yeah, that's one of the difficulties. <laughs> I actually um, wanted to clarify with you. I've I've had a look through the We the Hong Kongers Twitter campaign, uh, Twitter page, and some of your graphics, and I did want to clarify. So, the instruction is to fill in 
Hong Kongers on the line and then tick off the other Asian box. But I did want to clarify, is the question asking about your racial identity or the your ethnic identity or, or heritage identity? Um, I just wanted to clarify the question that's asked in the census. Right. The question basically asked, what is your race? And you that you're you're provided with some boxes that includes white, black, and uh, Asian, and all other. I can't count all of them. Under the Asian box, you have uh, options to check, you know, Chinese, um, Japanese, um, and other Asians. There are a lot of boxes you can check it out. And then other uh, at the other Asian box, when you check that, you you are given, you know, a, a field for you to write in the the heritage background um, you identify with. So in the census, um, is the only question relating to say ethnicity, heritage, or uh, racial identity? Is that is there another question that um, asks about ethnicity? Um, there is another, so this is a, a, a question regarding race. There is another question regarding ethnicity, which asks, are you of Hispanic um, origin? And so the only option you have is yes or no. When it came to uh, the specific goals you had for the campaign, do you, uh, what were they? And do you feel like you had achieved them? Yeah, so mainly... Although our ultimate goal is to have Hong Kong uh, be explicitly listed on the census report, you know, of this um, U.S. census. But then this would be a really difficult goal um, to achieve. This would be, you know, our ultimate goal. But it's difficult because it's not just defined or determined by, you know, the number of people who have right in Hong Kongers on this census. It's about whether the Census Bureau actually see us as another separate category. So we can reference back to, you know, the Taiwanese campaign is that they actually worked on it for four census. So it means 40 years. After 40 years, they have Taiwanese be explicitly listed on the census report. So I think it, it, we have a long way to go to reach that. But throughout the process, we can see more people are awakened and more people have realized that they have the right to identify as whatever they want. And we really want to bring out that even if we're in the U.S., even though we are not in Hong Kong, we're still, you know, open to talk about ident our identity. It's never something that like, I, I understand a lot of people like Hong Konger abroad, they think it's convenient to take, you know, to say I'm a Chinese because that's a provided options, obviously. But then I think for us, we should really think about who we are and take the efforts to claim our identity. This is one of the tagline we say, claim, um, claim your identity. Um, your identity matters. So I, I think throughout the whole process, we have emphasized the importance of self-identification and especially, you know, behind that, it, it, it actually, we also have discussions about, you know, our culture, our language, um, what's special about Hong Kongers, what makes us stand out. So throughout the whole process, I think we have 
also educate people about who we are, what we stand for. And when you talk about the right in Taiwanese campaign, were you able to sort of take away any learning lessons from those who ran that campaign on perhaps what to do for the Hong Konger campaign? Because I'd argue that Hong Kongers don't have 40 years to wait to claim their identity, considering that it will be far past 2047. I bring up the year 2047 because that will mark the end of one country, two systems, meaning Hong Kong will no longer be considered a special autonomous region in China. This year looms large over the heads of those Hong Kongers who feel that the mainland government's presence has already threatened their autonomy, their language, and their livelihoods, all things which are deeply ingrained in their sense of cultural identity. Recognition in the U.S. census, sooner rather than later, would validate those that stand for Hong Kongers as a unique identity separate from those who identify as Chinese. Well, uh, one thing I'm also trying to look into is to see if there are chances if we can meet some of the representatives in the Census Bureau um, and other stakeholders to see if it's possible or to see if any steps we can take to make it happen on the next census. Obviously, like now, the census hasn't ended, so we can't, we don't know if they are going to make any changes or we don't know if they are going to immediately put us on their census reports um, due to the high amount of reports of, you know, Hong Kongers. This is definitely something I will work on, but I am very grateful that the Taiwanese campaign it's here for me to take them as reference because when I first started the campaign, a lot of the promotional materials that I prepared was actually, you know, I, I looked, I, I looked at a lot of their materials and take that as reference to create our own. And they're really supportive on our campaign as well and very open to provide the resources we want. And so the idea of creating a video or the idea of creating the whole campaign was actually very much related to their campaign. It's just, I'm very grateful that they have taken the lead. And so I can just follow their steps. One thing I also want to add on is that um, throughout this campaign, I think I, we also have built a really good relationships with other uh, friends, uh, not just this campaign, but also we were working on the protest on October 1st with other communities. October 1st is the Global Day of Action, and Francis is collaborating with other communities such as the Uyghurs, Taiwanese, and Tibetans to coordinate rallies around the world. I think it's important for us to realize that Hong Kongers should not to stay in our own circle. We should really reach out and like develop good friendship with other impacted communities close to us. So it's a really good chance for us to really um, unite as a group of, you can see it as, you know, a nation or uh, just a group of, you know, a community or whatever. But it's really important for us to join that bonds with these other impacted communities to carry out our um, similar goals. I did want to ask you, actually, um, whether you found support coming from individuals or communities who don't identify as Hong Kongers. Maybe if you wanted to elaborate more on what that was like. I think a lot of people see our ads 
and they were fascinated. <laughs> they, for example, for some of the existing like write-in campaign, some of them didn't even think of doing, you know, a billboard, or some of them have never done digital ads and stuff. Um, so we also started it and kind of um, started the lead and some other campaign also follow through, or at least they have told us that they're quite amazed by the work. So I'm really surprised and like, very grateful. <laughs> but I think not only to, you know, these impact communities, but also it's interesting to see Hong Konger groups in other countries are also inspired by our campaign. For example, I have heard friends from the UK and friends from Japan saying that they are also planning for something similar in their census and their uh, census coming up next year. The the result is pretty surprising and I'm um, very happy to see that. Just, I wanted to ask whether your campaign experienced any sort of backlash while you were, while you were trying to raise awareness. Yeah, definitely. I think we definitely have faced a lot of critics and backlash from people who do not identify as Hong Konger, whether they are actually from Hong Kong or not from Hong Kong. There are people like that. Um, some of them, who are from Hong Kong would say, like, why would you, like, why are you representing U.S. Hong Kongers? Why, why did you ignore your Chinese heritage? The same thing goes back to what I said before is, it's about self-identification. Everybody have their rights to identify wherever they want. And so I, I think facing, I think these kind of backlash is not something new, right? It's not, it, it didn't just start from this campaign. It started way before that. Um, it started when I wrote the article. So I think it's it, it's everywhere. And the only thing we can do is just to ignore them. Did you ever find anyone who, say, had any criticism criticisms of your campaign? Did you Were you ever able to create some sort of dialogue where, say, both both parties maybe took something new out of it? Not much because I think uh, one of the limitations we have for this campaign is that we weren't re really able to have physical dialogues with people on the streets. What we have planned out is to distribute leaflets, to post stickers around in the U.S. on different streets, on different cities. Um, we have all the materials designed and some of them were printed out but because of the COVID-19 we weren't able to bring it to the streets we we didn't even have chance or like one or two chance to be on the streets for that so um we weren't really you know we, we didn't really have physical dialogues about it and now a word from our sponsor if you haven't heard of it yet, Anchor is life-changing. Anchor is your one-stop shop to record, edit, and distribute your podcast. Looking into the distribution, I thought that there would be a lot more involved, and Anchor does all that hard work for you. And you can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listeners. It's 
that easy. All you have to do to get started is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. When you say spoke to other Hong Kongers when you were spreading the word out, um, Hong Kongers who aren't part of the campaign, what was the general, say, reaction when when they would learn about the lack of representation in the U.S. census? Did you find that there was a mixed reaction? Most people cared. Most people didn't. What, what was your sense? I think so. I am actually new to um, the U.S. considering, you know, um, the census happens every 10 years and I have only been here for four years so I don't know what happened before. And when the campaign first rolled out, I realized a lot of people were saying like, oh, I have been writing this for how many years? That's all we did before. Um, and so I'm really surprised that it is actually something um, a lot of Hong Kongers have already done in the past. But I still think that the majority of people who came from Hong Kong still, you know, take it in a more convenient way to just check out the Chinese box. I've heard of my friend who whose family is from Hong uh, is from Hong Kong, and she when she heard about the campaign, the first reaction she was she had was that, oh no, my parents already fill it out and they check out the Chinese box, and so she had to go online and um, change that by herself you know, change that for herself. So I do know that there are a lot of people who have done that in the past, but obviously I think it's not so much of them because the the people we only see are the people who would talk about it. Uh, and there are a lot of people we don't see are the people who do not really talk about it or don't see it as something important um, to them. So uh, those are the people who usually would write in or who would just check out the Chinese box. So I, I think when it first wrote out, uh, we got a lot of support from Hong Kongers around the world, uh, especially those in the U.S., because there wasn't any sort of similar campaign in the past, which we can really join efforts and you know show solidarity of our community. Because of the COVID-19, they extended the deadline um, to September 30th, which, by the way, is my birthday. <laughs> and so after that, they will end all of the census practices and carry out the timeline that was supposed to happen. So after that, um, the Census Bureau will start to, you know, really assemble all the information they have. And then according to the original timeline, President Trump will look into it by the end of the year and then approve their first report. I, we don't know if they have changed the time given the, the extended um, deadline, but we'll see. Having Hong Kongers appear on the census is more than just a claim of identity. In fact, as Francis is about to explain, the documentation of visible minorities is helpful for productively implementing policies and community services that are beneficial to the infrastructures and people they serve. So I did got in touch with a, a report group leader of the census and asked them about what they think about, you know, the write-in thing. What do they think about the race question and the existing writing campaign and, and they're really about it because 
the Census Bureau want to have a full picture of the population, the U.S. population. They want to have as much um, complexity, just so they have a full understanding of the community, the district, and so carry out like in the future when they are, you know, planning for programs or um, when they're designing infrastructures, designing the community events, they will have a better understanding of what has to be um, imposed in that community, in that specific community. So let's say this is just, you know, a very bold example. So let's say if they figure out in this region, there are a lot of Hong Kongers or a lot of Chinese then in that place, maybe the schools over there or the hospitals or community services uh, sector would have would hire more Cantonese or Chinese speaking workers to provide particular services. So this is just one of the uh, very bold examples I have. Yeah, they did encourage this kind of writing campaign just so they can un- have a better understanding of the U.S. population. Yeah. But in the future, I would definitely try to nail down to really talk to them about including Hong Konger on the report. But we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so given these future plans there that you've outlined, and given that they are very important for policymaking, there's a long time between now and the next U.S. Census. But that being said, it it's still very important for you, I'm assuming, to push the fact that Hong Kongers should claim their identity. What are your upcoming plans in the near future to continue with that sort of work? Right. I think one of the important goals of, or one of the important objectives of We the Hong Kongers is to promote culture or strengthen the culture and identity of Hong Kongers in the U.S. Um, and what we have been striving for or what we really want to do in the upcoming times is that we can do all more events or activities that promote the Hong Kong culture to make people understand that we are a unique community that would have important impacts to the U.S. society. We're not just here. I think with the reason why I bring this up is because I think Last year, with the movement in Hong Kong, all we did is to ask people to help us. We were always asking, you know, Americans to help us. Please sign the bill or please ask your senator to co-sponsor this Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act and stuff. We're always talking about how bad the situation in Hong Kong is. But we're, we didn't really do a lot about, you know, our own culture, our identity, and really tell people um, why we think we should be considered as Hong Konger instead of Chinese, or why Hong Kongers are having this kind of reactions, why we're really reluctant to, you know, Chinese aggressions. And so the one thing we really want to do is to really promote our own identity and our culture in U.S. society and make people understand our community and know that we can also make changes in this country. Yeah, so I, I think moving on, this is one of our important goals. And as I said, I would also try to, you know, it depends on whether the census is going to have a surprising result for us. If Hong Kongers is not explicitly listed, 
then I think one of our main goals is to make it happen on the next census. And we're also trying to, you know, all we want to do is to increase or um, improve the uh, social significance of Hong Kong community in the U.S. to make them, to make the U.S. government know that we can make changes um, in Hong Kong matters in this country. Do you find that this campaign has had any impact back home in Hong Kong? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think when the campaign first rolled out, a lot of people share it. Um, and they are happy to see um, such a campaign has rolled out in the U.S. because I think um, in the past year, uh, the U.S. has already been uh, a very important role um, in terms of like when we are talking about like uh, the international forefront and stuff. Um, so um, when people see the video, um, they are also very interested and excited about this. Uh, and especially, I, I think when they see the billboard, the billboard ads that went out last month, they were, ex- uh, they were very excited about it because I think this is the first time that the word Hong Kongers are being displayed in, uh, at such a prominent location. We, we chose the three major urban cities in the U.S. Seeing Hong Kongers, the word Hong Konger being uh, hung on uh, on a very high place, a very high location, I think for me is already something really exciting. Uh, exciting, And a lot of them share it online. And I think it, it also kind of gives them, you know, a pat in the back <laughs> or kind of gives them support telling them we're still here we're still working on this campaign we're still you know here to tell the world that hong kongers haven't stopped yet we're still fighting for a cause in everywhere um and so i think for hong kongers in hong kong they feel they're glad to see something is happening in the u.s even though I think especially when, when you know, the national security law is in place, um, a lot of us in Hong Kong have just shut our mouth. Um, and they, uh, a lot of them just, you know, censor themselves because they are afraid to get into, you know, legal troubles and stuff. But having this ad up there in America, I think it, it just gives them a really good encouragement just encourage them saying that we're still here, although we're not in Hong Kong, but we're still with you guys. That's really, really heartwarming to hear that, um, that your campaign has actually you know, <laughs> made waves um, with the locals in Hong Kong. That's really, really cool. And so I have one final question for you. What does being a Hong Konger mean to you? Oh, wow. <laughs> It's an open question. I, I want to hear, I want to hear your, I want to hear what you have right. to say. What does being a Hong Konger mean to you? Being a Hong Konger means being strong. And it means that we are not the kind of people that will just take advantage or, or take, you know, 
want to be convenient about our identity. We are really, we're really vocal about our own rights and our identity. You can say that we're edgy. We don't want to admit that we are,、um, you know, Chinese or whatever. But I think we're special, and we're here to tell people that、um, why we're special. And through the movements in the past few years in Hong Kong, and through these kind of campaigns in foreign countries, we can once again, you know, again and again, tell people that、um, we're not giving up. You're not addressing our concerns. You're not addressing what we're saying. Then we will continue to tell you that we're Hong Kongers. We're not Chinese. And so, it, being a Hong Konger requires a lot of courage, right? And in past interviews, I've mentioned about my struggles talking about my identity in the U.S., especially talking to Chinese people in the U.S. And but I think not just me; a lot of other Hong Kongers or even Taiwanese Tibetans have faced something similar. But I think you know, being able to you know just just taking the courage to tell people that we are not something; we're this. Um, where Hong Konger is really important、uh, because I I do know that there are a lot of people who just feel like oh there is too much trouble to explain why we're Hong Konger we have to talk about the political context and stuff so I would just say I'm Chinese but I think we have that kind of stubbornness <laughs> about our identity because the reason why we're so stubborn about it is because we. Care about it, and it matters to us. In this campaign, we're telling people that this our matters, our identity matters to us, and it should matter to everybody. Because your identity is yours, you're here to claim your own identity. I asked Francis this question because, like with other ethnocultural identities, being a Hong Konger is something different to each individual. I grew up with a family that immigrated from Hong Kong to Canada decades ago to settle down in a community with a significant Hong Kong diaspora. I grew up saying "ngoi mai dan" at cha cha tangs and "sunlin fai lop" on Chinese New Year. I grew up familiar with the dynamic of prejudice and resentment commonly held by Hong Kongers from mainland folks. But to me, being a Hong Konger means feeling at home with the food, people. And life of a city I finally got to experience at the age of twenty-one, a city my parents preferred to leave behind all those years ago. It means introducing myself with my Cantonese name for the first time in my life to a stranger in an elevator in Serangwan when she asked for it because I knew she would know how to say it back to me perfectly. Being a Hong Konger also means holding on to every last shred of hope, no matter how small. That the million-person march and other mass protests of 2019 were not done in vain. Whether the reason is personal or political, identity matters. Hong Kong matters. Thank you so much. And for our listeners who want to keep tabs on your work, where can they find you? I'm basically. Everywhere online, I have a Facebook page called Francis Hui. For we the Hong Kongers, we also have Facebook page. You can find me or find us on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Do you want me to spell out the handles or? 
I mean, I can put it all in the show notes anyway, so I can, I can direct our listeners there. So yeah, for any updates about the campaign or updates about, um, what we're planning to do or, uh, what I plan to do individually, um, they can all uh, be found on the social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on um, Instagram. So check us out. For next month, we have something very spooktacular for you. Spyglass will be delving into Hong Kong's haunted history to get you into the Halloween spirit. This will be a fun episode where Harbor Times reporter Cyril Ma and I have a conversation about some of Hong Kong's creepiest ghost stories. Feel those goosebumps rise with me when you tune in to the next edition of Spyglass coming out in October. Be sure to also follow Harbor Times on all our socials. And if you'd like to support us with your dollar, feel free to check us out on Patreon. Or you can make a one-time donation on our website. Details as usual are in the show notes. Thank you for listening to the end, and you'll be hearing from me again very soon. Spyglass, A Closer Look, is hosted, written, and edited by Jasmine Lee. Sound mixing by Cyril Ma.